0: Hey friends, and welcome to the Inner Journey Podcast. 13 thank yous and honey in my heart for listening. The Inner Journey Podcast is a relief effort during COVID-19 that will offer emotional, mental, and spiritual relief to anyone who needs it, whether you know it or just feel it in contrast to the stress you might be currently carrying. There will also be jokes peppered in there like this one. A string walks into a bar, and the bartender says, hey, we don't serve your kind in here. So the string goes out back, ties himself up a little bit, and teases out his ends, and goes back into the bar. The bartender says, hey, aren't you that string from a minute ago that was just in here? And the string replies, I'm afraid not. (laughs) <laughs> this is the very first episode <laughs> of my podcast. Please listen into the end to hear from a special guest. I'll have a few guests. But first, we'll always start with an anecdote or a joke. Today, since we've got lots of jokes, I'll give an anecdote. Written by an ecstatic, whirling mystic and beloved poet, Jalaluddin Rumi, or as most know him, Rumi. This is taken from an anecdote called the Three Fishes. Said a certain man caught a bird in a trap. The bird says, "Sir, you have eaten many cows and sheep in your life, and you're still hungry." The little bit of meat on my bones won't satisfy you either. If you let me go, I'll give you three pieces of wisdom. One I'll say standing on your hand, one on your roof, and one I'll speak from the limb of that tree. The man was interested. He freed the bird and let it stand on his hand. Number one. Do not believe an absurdity, no matter who says it. The bird flew and lit on the man's roof. Number two, do not grieve over what is past. It's over. Never regret what has happened. By the way, the bird continued, in my body there's a huge pearl weighing as much as ten copper coins. It was meant to be the inheritance of you and your children, but now you've lost it, and you could have owned the largest pearl in existence, but evidently it was not meant to be. The man started wailing like a woman in childbirth. The bird said, Didn't I just say don't grieve for what's in the past, and also don't believe in absurdity? My entire body doesn't weigh as much as ten copper coins. How could I have a pearl that heavy inside me? The man came to his senses. All right, tell me number three. Yeah, said the bird, you've made such good use of the first two. Don't give advice to someone who's groggy and falling asleep. Don't throw seeds in the sand. Some torn places cannot be patched so there's our little anecdote for the day Rumi doesn't really uh, tie things up in a nice neat bow for us Well, that's why I loved his work okay friends that brings us to our word time those of you who know me know that I'm a word nerd and Um, A lot of times now I feel that words are weaponized against us in the current administration, so I like to take back the word's origins. Also, since it might feel like a trivial thing to have a podcast that brings some philosophical teachings and levity during COVID-19, I chose the word trivial. It is the same in Spanish, trivial. As an English, trivial, and it originates from the Latin word trivium, which was used to denominate a place where three roads meet. Tri, meaning three, and vium, from via, meaning road. A trivium gained the connotation of being an open public place, a mini-agora where people from across society's technicolor spectrum could relax, chat, and simply coexist. Trivial. So, since the next part is kid time, while you're gathering your kiddos, maybe you can pause for a moment to see if you can gather them in front of your listening device. Um, I have a story to tell. If you don't have kiddos, just bring your inner child to the forefront of your attention. Maybe while you're gathering kiddos, You could keep it playing because I have another joke coming from Dave on the trail of the Wissahickon this morning who said, What did the elephant say when someone cut off his trunk? What'd you go and do that for? (laughs) (laughs) So the story I'm about to tell is about the practice or observance of contentment in yoga. A little note to those interested in yoga philosophy, check out the Yoga Sutra 242 that says, through the practice of contentment comes an unparalleled joy. Or shortened, contentment is the mother of joy. Okay, are you ready for our story now? The stories of a farmer, his wife, his mother, and her two children living in a one-room farmhouse. Well, the kids are always fighting. We need a bigger house. The wife gets upset by the kids fighting, and the mother, she's just kind of grouchy. So one day, maybe, let's say, the 11th day into this fighting, the farmer goes to knock on the door of a wise man that lives down the street. The wise man opens the door, Yes, the farmer said, come on, please, can you help me? My kids are fighting, my wife is mad, my mother's grouchy, but she's always that way. The fight is all about our farmhouse being too small, but I can't afford a bigger place. So I'm seeking your counsel. Can you help me? To which the wise man replies, well, yes, tell me. Do you have any goats? The farmer said, yes. The wise man said, okay, bring them into the house. Okay, said the farmer, and he goes back to his house. Now, kids, tell me who's in the house now. It's the farmer, right? His wife, grouchy mom, two kids, And now goats, which means goat poop is definitely going to be on the floor in the house. This brings the farmer no relief. He goes to knock on the wise man's door again. The wise man opens. Yes? The farmer said, help me please, it's worse now. Now, not to mention that there's no relief from the fighting, my kids just stepped in go poop on our kitchen floor. Can you please help me? The farmer says, yes, tell me. Or the wise man, sorry, said, yes, tell me. Do you have any chickens? The farmer said, yeah, but what's that got to... The wise man said, bring them into the house. He said, okay, he is the wise man after all. And he goes back. Now in the house, count with me. The farmer, one. The wife, two. His mother, three. Two kids, four and five. Goats, let's just count them as six. And chickens, I don't know how many, seven. He rushes back to the wise man's house after only a short time. The wise man opens the door. Yes? The farmer said, it's so much worse. Now there's chicken feathers and the kids' cereal in the morning. The chickens tried to poke and and peck at the goats. Everybody is miserable. You've got to help me. The wise man said, okay, so you brought the goats into the house. And the farmer said, yes, I just told you. The wise man said, you brought the chickens too, just to make sure? And the farmer said, yes. Wise men said, okay, bring them now out of the house. (laughs) And the farmer, or the wise man didn't hear from the farmer for a few days, so he went and checked on the farmer. The farmer answered the door, yes. (laughs) And he was at peace. He said, come on in, there's so much room. I love that story. And maybe it could be helpful to you right now. If you're all cooped up, you can think of maybe someone who's always cooped up. Maybe you could take a moment to consider how things could be worse and maybe then have some contentment, be happy with things just as they are. I think that's a good segment into the adult portion of our yoga philosophy, and this portion is taken from a book called Not My Own, it is by an author named Dawn Smelser, do you know her? I heard she's cool, (laughs) talks about the causes of suffering, or the kleshas, the afflictions. Here goes. Let's look at the specifics of misapprehension as the sutras lay them out. Ignorance or misapprehension comes in four strands, mistaking the unreal for the real, mistaking the impermanent for the permanent, mistaking the non-self for the self, and mistaking misery for happiness. The sutras state that the four afflictions that follow ignorance grow from its roots and can be traced back to one of these strands of ignorance now i'll go over each one over time but first let's look at the states that these afflictions pass through in the spiritual journey there is the active state of an affliction where a person is unaware that they're afflicted at all this would be as if a person had itchy spots all over their body, or lots of coughs and a high fever, scratched them ferociously and continued to touch and interact with others who then began began to develop itchy red dots on their skin without ever questioning whether they had chicken pox or considering doing things differently. In this state, one does not even question one's ignorance, privilege, or meaning of life, they just suffer with the idea that life and the pain it brings is just happening to them. They're a victim only. There's a parable, a parable by Portia Nelson that illustrates this very well. It says, I walk down the street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I fall in. I'm lost. I'm helpless. It isn't my fault. It takes forever to find a way out. The affliction of ignorance can also be a practiced one, wherein we see the truth, but we pretend not to. The second part of Portia Nelson's parable. I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I pretend I don't see it. I fall in. I can't believe I'm in the same place. But it isn't my fault. It still takes me a long time to get out. This part of the parable suggests that one even knows their suffering but still feels helpless. The next stage of the kletia, or affliction, is called interrupted. It's the beginning of spiritual awakening. This happens through making the choice to see. It can also happen by being broken open through suffering, in which one is so humbled by suffering that they feel a crack in their usual perception and a bit of awareness creeps in. The parable continues, describing this waking up. I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I see it is there. I still fall in. It's a habit. My eyes are open. I know where I am. It is my fault. I get out immediately. The person in the parable sees the hole but still falls in. This shows that, even though we're waking up, we're still not able to stop suffering because the falling or the affliction is habit. But our eyes are open. We know where we are because we're now aware that we've been here before. We then become accountable and we can get out of the hole. As we practice this again and again, the affliction is then interrupted for a longer period. The sutras call this state attenuated. This attenuated state can be confusing because even though we're in practice and have begun to pull the roots out, of a cause of suffering or affliction, we still may see its memory playing out for us energetically or mentally. Say for example, if the affliction is an addiction, it will look like a person observing thought patterns of the addiction even though they know better and are no longer feeding the addiction. The sutras sutras liken this experience to the act of pulling a plug on a ceiling fan and still for some time watching the fan spin. It's important to have objectivity in the watching of that affliction. We must know that we have done the work or are continuing to do the practice of pulling out the source of our ignorance, but that for a time we'll still see it spinning or acting like it's still alive. And finally, the Kaleisha can move into a dormant state. Portia Nelson continues the parable. I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I walk around it. I walk down another street. I remember learning about how the word dormant came to be a word. Scientists coined the word to describe a seed, that in prior categorizations of something being alive or dead seemed to be dead. It didn't move, it didn't breathe, it didn't eat, didn't grow unless it was given water and sunlight. And then it was given water and sunlight and it became alive. This is how the dormant stage of an affliction works. When my mom was in rehab, I went to an Al-Anon meeting. It was designed for family members to understand addiction, and there it was explained that a person is most susceptible to their addictions and afflictions when they are HALT, meaning hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. I instantly compared this philosophy to yoga and the understanding of the afflictions. If we're growing a garden of mindfulness, the glaciers cannot grow there. They will be like weeds in a mostly perennial garden. What space is there for them is little, and they can be identified and easily isolated and weeded out. But if we're not mindful of the garden we're growing within our consciousness, these afflictions will grow rampant, like weeds that take over a vacant lot. Perhaps the worst thing you can do for this situation is to neglect it, And that's the same with these afflictions. When we're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, we're neglecting ourselves. And to neglect oneself is to blind awareness and keep this shadow fed and growing. It becomes denial. A friend of mine would joke that denial and a river in Egypt. (laughs) Now it makes me laugh, but at the time I thought it was stupid and not funny at all. I am learning, though that humor takes a bit of humility and dispelling of illusion also. I had a therapist once, and in order to work with her around some of my deeper struggles, I had to use humor so I would have the courage to even admit them. At one point, I said to her, I know my humor is a defense mechanism that I will have to transcend. And in response, she told me, that if humor helps me to admit my afflictions and examine them, then let humor stay. I think that's a good time for another joke. Um, But first, we are gonna call a friend of mine and get her on the line. I love having visitors on a podcast because it feels like Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. And this visitor, you're gonna hear the phone ringing, In one minute is my friend, Marley Moses. Here we go. We're going to call her right now. Hello, Dawn. Hey, sister. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. I was just saying... To listeners, that this part of the podcast where I call someone, it feels like Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. (laughs) And then I remembered that you met with Mr. Rogers, like, and it wasn't because you were in Pittsburgh or anything, right? How did you, can you tell listeners how you met Fred Rogers? Because I don't think anybody else I know, I know no one else I know has met him.
1: So it was when I was a little girl and my parents um, have these two friends, Billy and Sue, who seem to know lots of famous people. Um, And so it wasn't unusual for someone who is relatively famous to show up at their annual Memorial Day barbecue. And at this particular one, I was sitting in a tree swing and, um, looking up into the trees, looking at the cicadas, and an older man came and sat down next to me <laughs> I was curious to know what I was looking at, and we talked about bugs, and we talked about nature, and then he handed me a pair of shoelaces <laughs> that had the trolley from the show, from oh Mr. Goodness. Rogers' neighborhood, on them, and I looked at him and I was like, very confused, and he asked me my name, and I told him my name was Marley, and I said, what's your name? He said, my name is Fred. Oh, my oh. <laughs> And I said, are you Mr. Rodney? <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, I forgot that you actually asked him. Did he say yes? Yeah.
1: And he said, yes, I am.
0: Oh, my God,
1: It's very goodness. nice to meet you, Marley
0: oh my goodness i love that story you told me at one other time and i was thinking of it this morning like how perfect that you're my first guest i'm so happy you're
1: doing
0: this i'm so happy that you're into it (laughs) and i hope other people are too and um I also asked you to be a part of it because the whole mission for this podcast or at least the start of it is to offer some relief during COVID-19 quarantine and Mm. relief mentally, emotionally, maybe spiritually. And I wonder, um, how is your family getting by?
1: Sure. Um, We decided to create Uh, just like a very loose rhythm to our days so that we don't get lost in reading too many um, news articles Like we're we're catching up, but um, trying to make sure that we're focusing on what's right in front of us as as much as we can, which is our children and our marriage, eating good food, um, having blocks of time to be together and be apart and
0: we're all getting much better at playing instruments (laughs) Mm, nice yeah i saw your song that you posted on instagram and i love that your head wasn't on the video (laughs) i was like that's (laughs) just like marley (laughs) (laughs) i was like i know it's her i hear her voice but i can't see her face i love this woman So, so
1: yeah A lot of good quality time, time in the garden, and then, you know, time, making space to grieve, too.
0: Yeah. 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 Can you tell me more about that? Because, I mean, for me, grief is, it marks the loss of something, um, like the irretrievable loss. And, Mm -hmm. And so maybe can you tell me what that is for you at this time? Yeah, um, it's definitely,
1: uh, it changes daily. The beginning of a lot of this, it felt like grief for the planet, um, wondering what's being communicated through this from our planet. Um, grief for, you know, my teenager who can't see her friends right now, which is really hard. Um, thinking about those that are already sick, um, and then lately, the real, real tricky one for me is thinking of children that are at home in, in unsafe situations. So, mm. um, holding, holding that in, like the space that I am able to make for myself to be quiet, um, to try to, you know, cultivate a deeper sense of love and compassion within myself. That's all that I really feel like I can do right now. Yeah, um, to hold my own grief, but also to—I uh, do think it's important for us to grieve for other people too.
0: Yeah, because um, we're we're always like looking for what we can do next. Do, 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 and I think that sense of always wanting to do comes from avoidance of grief because mm. when we grieve, we drop down and into ourselves and we're here now and whoever we grieve with is our family, you know, and, and when, you know, I just told a kid's story earlier on in the podcast and I asked whoever has kiddos to gather them, um, in front of their listening device, or if you don't have kids to bring your inner child to the forefront. And when you said that, you know, kids at home in unsafe situations that you're mindful and grieving for them, my inner child felt seen because home for me growing up was not a safe situation and escaping and running to my neighbor's house um, was how I sought safety. But if if COVID-19 happened when I was little, that would have meant... Um, A lot of really bad things for me. Yep. Yeah. So thank you for saying that. Yeah. And I also understand that, um, like me, like a few of our other friends, um, song is always a source of medicine and healing. And I Mm -hmm. asked you if you would sing with me or start a song. And if I know it, I'll join in. Sure.
1: Sure, I actually, um, maybe I could share this song that I sent to you and a few other people that um, came through when I was making some decisions around travel during this time.
0: Mm. Um, Yeah, because you went to Washington.
1: Yeah, Yeah. yes I did. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Lots of song medicine there, so... Oh man! Um, I know it. Well, thank you to all those lovely folks out, out west. Um, yeah, so I I could sing that song. Yeah, please. Okay. Um. Hmm. <clears throat> show me how to live. Show me how to walk. Show me how to breathe. How to be. Show me how to live, show me how to walk, show me how to breathe, how to, to be. be. Standing so like a tree roots deep in the ground. With mm-hmm. arms open wide, bending to the current of the wind, whipping round.
0: Mm. Mm. One more time.
1: Sure. Show Show me me how to live, show me how how to walk, walk. show Show me me how how to breathe, how to to Be. be. Show me how
0: to live,
1: show me me how how to walk, walk. show me me how how to breathe, how to to be. be. uh, Sorry. (laughs) The second verse is standing tall like a tree loose deep in the ground. Arms open, one bending to the current of the wind whipping round.
0: Mm. And yeah, that's how I'm trying to be right now. Mm. The trees have so much to teach us.
1: Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they deal.
0: Oh. And so. I also asked listeners if Marley would share um, a short meditation so that we could end together with um, a bit of peace in, in this time, wherever it meets you, wherever this podcast meets you today. So whenever you're ready.
1: So we can all, I would love if we could all join in together and um, just take a few cleansing breaths. And again. One more. can settle into a chosen meditation seat, whether that's sitting on the floor, or a chair, or even lying down for the next few minutes. And once you've landed in that seat, and just gently scanning the body, if you find yourself landing on a place of tension, Bringing a little bit of kindness and care to that area of the body. Releasing just a little bit. And also bringing a sense of alertness in whatever posture you've chosen. carving out this time to be here on planet earth, human being in the human body, being breathed. Letting whatever emotions may arise, wash over you, like a wave. Notice them coming, and then receding. Bringing in the knowledge that you are connected to so many others, whether you're at home with loved ones or by yourself, allowing the breath. To you in that knowledge of being connected to so many other human beings in their human bodies, being breathed right here on planet Earth.
0: What a wonderful place to end our first episode. Thank you so much. Thank you, Dawn. Yeah, I love you, sister. I love you, too. And I love you, listeners out there. 13 thank yous and honey in my heart for listening. Till next time. Bye.